Hey, my name's Ian Begley. You're watching the NBA Exchange with Dexter Henry. What's good, everybody? Happy Friday. It's particularly a happy Friday for you if you are a Celtics fan. We're going to get into that today for sure. Game one of the NBA Finals was last night. It was a very interesting game, a very wild game, including us seeing some things that some of us may have thought we had not seen before, which is rather interesting. But we are underway. I got a chance to take in the game uh, out with some friends last night. That was really good. But I think for those of us that thought it might be looking good or things might be better for the uh, Warriors in this, it did not look good uh, for the Warriors. It looked really good for the Celtics. So it's perfect because I booked this guest uh, before I knew the outcome of the game at all whatsoever. Had no idea what was going on. Didn't know what the outcome of the game was going to be. But Josue Pavon of CLS Media will be joining us in one second. He's just having some technical issues, but he will be joining us in one second. I think he is back up with us to join us here, but he'll be joining us to talk about the Celtics, their big win, 120-108 to 108 in San Francisco in game one. Y'all know I picked the Warriors in this series in six, um, so it's a little bit uh, concerning if you're the people who picked the Warriors that obviously the Celtics already got off to a good start and they got one here. But I think it's really going to be an interesting series, and we're going to see um, how that goes. And there's a lot that we're going to talk about in this series with Josue when he gets here, and a lot of the talk is going to be obviously about the fourth quarter of this game. The fourth quarter's game was rather interesting. It's where the Celtics turned things around. It's where um, they basically took the game. Uh, the third quarter looked like the, the Warriors had it, and the fourth quarter, the Celtics have it. Josue, you ready? I think we got you here. Uh, my man Josue is here from San Francisco. What's going uh, on? Covering Thanks. the finals. This is your first finals you're covering. It right, is. Right? It is, man. And let me tell you, on, to, to keep it real, man, it was. It's like a dream. And the game, it was like, is this really happening? Like, listen, I know this is <laughs> the same Golden State Warriors team, but that 17 to 0 run, I just can't, man. This team, it's it's the resilience, man. They just show time and time again. But don't get me wrong, this is still going to be. A long series. I don't think this is going to be one of those, you know, something's in four or five or anything like that. But strap in. It's going to be a fun ride. <laughs> yeah, man. I think people are definitely, you know, reacting to what happened last night. I want to, we're going to get into all that. But yes, yeah, salute to you on your first NBA Finals coverage. So glad you could be Appreciate out there. Appreciate it, man. Man, I'm, I'm really happy. I think anytime people get to experience these things in sports, uh, we should, you know, even personally, we should definitely you know, be grateful for it and, you know, also acknowledge others, man. It's a beautiful experience. I'm glad you, you're getting to do that. But last – it, Dex, man. Not anytime, bro. Anytime. Yeah, man. you know what it is, man? Because we've been yeah. watching this since we were kids. This is – regardless if you don't have a dog in the fight growing up, man, we, you watch the finals if you were basketball. And guys mm -hmm. like you and me, man, like, it's been years. So, yeah, for sure, man. So, I really appreciate that. Nah, anytime, brother. Um, Yeah, you're right. Been watching the finals since I was a kid, since I was seven years old. I can remember watching every final. So I watched every final since exactly. 1991. Yeah. I showing my age there. But the Celtics, <laughs> right? They roll past the Warriors in game one, 120 uh, to 108. Warrior, here's what I don't know what your pick was before the series, Josue, but 
were you shocked at the pretty good energy that Celtics came out with? Because I thought they could be a little bit tired heading to the series, coming off the, you know, game seven with Miami. Were you shocked with the energy and them coming out with this win at all? Was it shocking for you? Um, it wasn't shocking. But I will say I was surprised by that fourth quarter approach. Now, the Celtics have done this before. Going into that fourth quarter, facing a 12-point deficit, I was like, well, this is doable for the Celtics team. They've done this in the past. But they did it so quickly that I was surprised to see not the Warriors. The, the Warriors not punch back, essentially, right? It was about the five-minute mark of that fourth quarter. Steve Kerr finally calls that timeout, which I thought that came a little too late. And then the Celtics had, what, two more three-pointers for them to extend that run to 17-0. So I'm surprised by that, that, that the Warriors didn't fight back the way they did. But at the same time, looking at what these guys were saying after the game, you know, Draymond Green had some interesting quotes, obviously. Steve Kerr. It just seemed like they were just as surprised as if, like, Maybe they didn't do as much homework as we thought they would, right? I mean, going into this one, you can look at the, the past couple of playoff series that the Celtics have had. They've had stretches like that. They've had those third quarters where they just completely give it up. And then in the fourth quarter, they're another team, whether it's, you know, stringing together defensive stops or putting together the way that the, the, the three-point shot, you know, the way that they were able to just keep it flowing. Someone like Al Horford, look, coming into this one on the Cedric Maxwell podcast, podcast man shout out to max i was telling him look, that's the matchup one of the more interesting matchups in this series draymond green against al horford because look at the end of the day and this isn't just about the quotes that he said but i don't think he respects al in that regard i don't think he looks at al as a fourth quarter scorer as someone that can did what he did against the bucks in that 30 point performance when he dunked over Giannis Antetokounmpo. like people need to realize that this guy is 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 riding on a high that he's been he didn't see this coming right one year ago, he didn't know what the next step of his career was. He didn't know if he'd be, you know, playing his his final years on a rebuilding team, you know, trying to mentor young guys. He wasn't sure if he'd ever be back to the stage. Never mind his very first NBA Finals appearance. I don't think the Golden State Warriors truly understand how important, how big this opportunity is for Al. And he's not going to just, you know, let it go to the to the side. You know, what I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna go up there and 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 be intimidated essentially. And, and I think that's what he did. We really think. It, it, Al, and of course, the rest of the Celtics, Derek White had a heck of a performance coming off the bench. Jalen Brown, man, talk about someone, you know, stepping in when your top guy just didn't have the scoring wise, but certainly was the playmaker out there with 12 assists, man. Like, it just yeah. shows a lot of character from this team, man. And they continue to, to prize the national stage the way they did on the biggest stage that you can, that you can be on the NBA Finals. Yeah, no, they absolutely did, right? Sorry, that was a lot, thanks. No, 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 no. no this, is what, this is what you're here for. This is what the people are, are here to see. Um, and, you know, we, we got some Warriors fans check, checking in here, you know, talking about they were disappointed with their play during the fourth quarter. I told you, Ravi, I see you. What's up, man? Um, disappointed with their play in the fourth quarter, and I think Warriors fans absolutely should be. But you heard Draymond Green say, hey, we're not panicking. We're, we're, not, we're not worried about this. We've been here before. But I want to talk a little more about that fourth quarter um, because I think the more surprising thing was we all know how good – well, not we all. I think most of you have been watching the Celtics and watching them through these playoffs. You know how good the defense is, right? But I want to – you know the numbers here, Josue. The C's offense, right? 15 of 22 from the field, 9 of 12 from downtown in the fourth quarter, right? Oh, and 68% overall, 75% from downtown. They outscored the Warriors 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter. And then the Warriors went eight minutes without scoring a field goal. Right? You had the 17 0 run, but they did not score a field goal for yeah. eight minutes. I think there's a way to look at this and be like, look, if the Celtics can do this for stretches, 
they're really scary and they def- definitely can win this series. Um, how impressed were you with the defense and the offense? Because it's a combination of both in that fourth quarter. Very impressed. And that's been the character of this team. They string together stops and it just catapults their offense. And it does it in a big way. It happens in a hurry. You know, I, I've seen it time and time again with this team. And they're not afraid about which opponent they're doing this against. You know, whether it's the, you know, the star-studded, uh, the the Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant-led net, you know, Ante Tacumpo, Jimmy Butler, who was in the finals a couple of years ago, like that rematch, you know, with their back against the wall. The Celtics have shown resiliency time and time again. So, listen. Draymond, to talk about those three-pointers, you know, yes. I don't think the Southerners will be scoring 21 three-pointers every single night throughout the best of seven series. To, to point out guys like Derek White, Marcus Smart, you know, uh, who else was in that? It was three of them. It was Derek White, Marcus Smart, and um, uh, I, I can't I can't remember exactly who the third one was. He was talking about it like, oh, man, those guys. Oh, Al, Al, excuse me, Al Horford, right? Uh, yeah, Al Horford and, and Pritchard if you want Adam too. Yeah, he had a couple too, but I, I think he the, the, the fact that he zeroed in on those three guys was because he's saying, look, they're not going to combine for 15, 16 three-pointers every single game. Okay, true, but what are you going to do to slow down Al? I felt like he was ignoring the elephant in the room, you know? It was more like, hey, uh, what adjustments could you have made personally? I just accountability. And look, maybe that's just Draymond playing my games. Maybe that's a, a, a testament to what was said in the locker room by someone like Steve Kerr, who I'm sure is going to come with, with the adjustments, the proper adjustments in game two. Um, but either way, I just I just think they were really surprised by that. And going into this series, though, I think people overlooked who the Warriors are, their tendencies, if you will. Right. I mean, look, this is one of the better defenses in the NBA right underneath the Celtics top the NBA and in, in, um, defensive efficiency. But the Warriors are also close to close to the top in, in another category that you don't want to be in. And that's turnovers. And, and look, when this team goes up against one of the top, the, the best defense in the NBA, those turnovers can happen in a hurry. And those buckets on the other end, that's what's going to kill you. And that's exactly what the Warriors essentially did in that fourth quarter. They did themselves in, in a bad way. Yeah, they absolutely they absolutely did themselves in a bad way. I just think it was shocking for a lot of people because I don't think there's a time a lot of us can remember through this Golden State stretch of them looking that bad offensively, that shut down. They couldn't get anything that they wanted to get done. It was really uh, interesting. I think the other thing that I'm impressed with, Josue, was the bench uh, here for Boston, right? You got Pritchard stepping up. You got Derek White stepping up, who you mentioned in this. Another big game for him. He's been playing well since the birth of his child. He's been looking really good. Um, How impressed are you with what the Boston bench, particularly those two guys, Pritchard uh, and Derek White, have been able to give? And if you're going to get stuff like that, again, I think it's going to be scary with Boston. Yeah, you know, it is. It is. And it's funny because, you know, the, the first couple of rounds in the playoffs, or at least the first round, there were there were some Celtics fans out there with, with a bit of buyer's remorse, right? I mean, it was overlooked because he was essentially, I mean, the Celtics swept the Nets, right? So, I mean, for people to be like, man, what's up with Derek White? You know, you didn't hear that often from Celtics fans and the Celtics media. But halfway through that series against the Bucks, it was like, well, wait a minute. Isn't this the guy? Isn't this the reason why? Brad Stevens traded for someone like this. Sure, he's a playmaker. He can play defense. He can guard multiple positions. You know, that's essentially the kind of Brad Stevens, uh, you know, acquisition. And, of course, his background, his relationship with Ime Udoka, the trade makes sense. But I think what Celtics fans and, and Celtics media alike were looking for was some sort of consistent production off the bench. And to, to see him shooting, you know, well, it was about 20% at one point in this playoffs, you know, averaging about five points throughout the first, like, five, six games of the postseason. Like, that wasn't going to cut it. But then, man, the turnaround he's done 
it shows that it isn't a fluke, honestly. Like, this is the third game in a row. Uh, another solid production coming off the bench. And the Celtics need that because they're a very thin bench. I, I, I look at the Warriors as have, have, having a stronger bench than the Celtics. I look at the Miami Heat have being a deeper team than the Celtics. So they rely on those three guys coming off the bench and Pritchard and Grant Williams and and um, and Derek White. You know, E-May keeps his rotation tight. Uh, Daniel Tice will get a few minutes here and there, but for the most part, they need they need the most out of those guys. And Grant Williams, you know, from a scoring scan standpoint, just hasn't been the same guy since that big performance against the Milwaukee Bucks. He has uh, not. He dropped 20 plus, man. He just hasn't. And look, maybe that you know, he'll figure this out, you know, at some point throughout the NBA Finals. But Derek White, man, the ultimate professional, uh, just the, the veteran that he's been, you know, the way he's acclimated to, to um, you know, with the Celtics. He became a father for the first time a week ago, you know. So I, I just think all that is relevant in the sense of that maybe he's just not in his own head like he was in those first couple of rounds, right? Maybe he's just letting the game come to him. At least that's the way I'm seeing it. You know, he's just not um, – he's just giving what the def- – he's just he's, – he's picking up on what the defense is giving him. And, and I feel like uh, he did that in a big way, but also took some really gutsy shots, man. That three-pointer, you know, right in the – right in the uh, – in, in Steph Curry's eye, like right now, man, th- this team is rolling for sure. But to see Derek White give you that production off the bench, it, it comes in a big way because the Celtics that just that just hasn't been the Celtics' mo all season long. That you know, guys coming off the bench and scoring twenty plus, it doesn't happen often. Nah, it doesn't happen often, but it's it's happening now. The other guy that I think I think yeah. people will look at this guy's numbers from last night and they'll be like, oh well, it just seems like it's okay. But no, his impact to me is felt everywhere. Um, in terms of the threat on the offense and defense, that's Robert Williams, man. The yeah. Ro- Robert Williams, he's four four from the field, eight points was the lob threat, but he also had four blocks in this contest. Uh, Looney, who got some offensive rebounds and had been doing his thing, but Robert Williams still got the best of him in this one. Just uh, he to me, I said he was one of the X factors, Josue, coming into this series to me for the Celtics. And then I think you see that last night with what he's able to do on offense and defense. How much is it? Do you look at that as him being a major key in this series for the Celtics? Oh, it's humongous! It's humongous. He protects the rim. I mean, look, the, the defense is just—it's just different when he's out there. You know, um, Al's able to roll more. You know, he doesn't have to stay to, um, close to the rim as much. But but Rob, you know, his health has been a concern. You know, he's a day-to-day guy for the rest of the way. You know, Eme told us that a couple of weeks ago. So. Going into the series, I said if you can get two solid performances out of Rob, it's going to go in a big way for the Celtics team because um, we're not quite sure what we're going to get. You know, in that last game against the Miami Heat, he didn't have much in the second half. And that's what happens when you're playing every other day. Now, that's a luxury in the NBA Finals, believe it or not, because that's not the case, right? you got a couple of days off in between. You know, the, the days off in between uh, the Eastern Conference Finals and Game 1 Thursday was probably the longest stretch of, of, of days off that he's had in over the, the, the past two weeks. So that – that, that was that was big for him. And then hopefully these next two days will help him as well before traveling back to Boston for game three. But, yeah, man, they're just a different team when he's out there. Um, I, I thought it, was, uh, it took him a, a bit to get acclimated. But in that fourth quarter, man, some of those stops were key. You know, the, the intimidation is key. I, I thought that that had a big uh, part in, in Bam Adebayo being inconsistent in that Eastern Conference Finals matchup. You know, yep. Rob roaming out there just made him uncomfortable. And Rob, I don't think it was a coincidence that when Rob wasn't out there, the games he didn't play, that's when you saw Bam go, you know, double double, twenty and ten. You know, the guy, the guy who he reverted back to the guy he was in the bubble in in, in, some, in some regard, and that was a bit scary for the Celtics because if Rob was unable to to finish this series off, you know, it, it would have been it would have been a hell of a lot tougher in that in that game seven. But they were able to adjust and um, going into this NBA Finals, you know, matchup, I was like, man, they're gonna really need you know some Rob 
you know, throughout. And especially in game one where I thought this would probably be the longest rest he's going to get, you know. Yeah. So that was huge. That was, that yeah, was big. No, he, he was huge, man. I think you might look at those numbers and say only 8.6 boards, but to go along with those four blocks, like I said, he he was yeah. everywhere. And he was, he was altering a lot of shots at the rim, too. Um, you know what else next to Yeah. I feel like he's like a like a, a cushion for these guys or something. I don't know. Like mm. They just feel better when he's out there. And it's like they want to, you know, have that same intensity. They want to, you know, step it up on, on the defensive end even more so because they know he's he's nowhere near 100%. And he's just out there just just, just playing. Uh, he's going off a of fumes at this point, or at least that's going to be the case in a couple of games where he's really going to be hurting. You know, that, that swelling in his knee, just it's just not getting any better. Yeah, well, look, if he's still putting up eight, you know, six or four blocks and he's running off of fumes. You take Celtics, that. They're going to take that right now. They're going to take that one right now. But I also I think people will look at oh the Celtics bounce back ability right you you're hearing all the stories before the finals right where it's okay uh, you know back in January January sixth they were eleventh in the Eastern Conference they rose up to the top you know they battled through two grueling Game Seven series before they got here to the finals but I think you saw some of that bounce back ability right here in this game right you look at the first half particularly the first quarter first quarter the, right first quarter right Steph Curry's going nuts. I'm looking at some of these shots like, Yo, what's Boston doing with their coverage? They're dropping Right, I was like, oh, we're going to have one of those nights. That's going to have yes. one of those nights. Really, yes. Boston? You're going to give him all that space? Like, yeah, I was with you. <laughs> it seemed like it was going to be one of those nights. So so what did you hear from the guys following the game about what turned it around, particularly? I don't even want to just say in the second half because that's unfair. In the second quarter, the Celtics got their stuff together. You know, they cut the, – there was a two – they were leading by two at halftime. Right. Um so they, they, it was a change around, and then the third quarter went not well for them, and the fourth quarter went extremely well for them. What, yeah. what is what is it with this ability to bounce back, not just game to game or different point in the season, but quarter to quarter, like possession to possession? This is this is now becoming the the fortitude, so the staple of this team here, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's their identity, Dex. I mean, the, the, the defense, you know, when they when they buckle down, they respond on the other end. It's almost contagious in some regard, right? You know, going into that fourth quarter, being down by 12, Eme doesn't have to say much, or at least that's what he told us, right? The players, they they have that dialogue between themselves. You know, they, they make sure that everyone is just putting together stuff. And they look at it as one possession at a time. And that's how these things, you know, that's how it happens in a hurry. But, you know, the Golden State Warriors also defensively, I, I feel like they were just, they were letting, they were challenging them, right? They wanted to shoot out. And, and you know, to their point, that usually, that, that's not going to, bode well for the Celtics in that type of matchup and that type of, you know, setting. But when they were able to string together stops, it just rejuvenated them. You know, they see a 12 point uh, deficit and it's not, it's not a big deal for them. You know, they, they've done this in the past, but the thing is that on this stage, you know, I just feel like right now beating those three tough teams that they beat in the Eastern conference, man, they feel like they just, they can beat anyone. And, and, and Jalen Brown, man, he stepped up in a big way. You know, that was something I was a big concern about. I was worried. Because we've seen in the past throughout the season where if if Tatum isn't getting it going offensively, you know, if he's ice cold, Jalen tends to have his stretches, but then he sort of shies away from 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 taking from taking matters into his own hand in that fourth quarter. That wasn't the case. You know, it's the it's the moment. Honestly, I feel like they just they've they've they're on this big stage. They know they've they've earned this and they're like, man, we they have to get the job done. And I feel like we're seeing that we're seeing the product of that and all that, in my opinion. It goes back to email. I mean, we can go back to December, January. We can talk about accountability. We can talk about, you know, what the conversations he's had with Marcus Smart and, and, and the sit down that Tatum and Brown eventually had to have in, in terms of like, hey, 
you're happy, right? We're happy playing together, right? Like, I called it an uncomfortable conversation. I was saying this back in the bubble, man. I'm like, these two need to have an uncomfortable no. You you said them. it the first time you were on the show. We told, I said, can that, that really work? Yeah, and you were like, there's something they, these guys need to sit and talk and they need to have this conversation. You, you talked about that the first time I had the you on whole, the show. The whole, like, you yeah. go, then I go, you go, then I go. That's just not going to work. That's not a yep. recipe for success. You have to bring in those teammates. You have to bring in everyone, you know, and, and, and share the ball around, right? You'll get it back. We used to say on the Southern Sports Game show, don't worry, Jalen. Don't worry, Jason. You'll get the ball back. But don't do this ISO stuff all the time. And, and look, it took a really long time for them to get out of those bad habits. But that's natural. That's what happens in the NBA. These guys have been playing, you know, AAU. They've been the center of a ten, you know. And honestly, coming in with that much early success, sometimes it's a, it's not, it's sometimes it's a curse, right? Because playing playing with guys like Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker or Gordon Hayward, you know, sure, Tatum was a feature player eventually. Same thing for Jalen Brown. Well, those first couple of years, those first few years where they were making those Eastern Conference Finals appearances, like they weren't the top guys quite yet, right? They were still sort right. of finding their way. So it took a while for them to find their way, or I should say, it took a it took a whole season for them to figure out how to how to guide this team. And I think you look at the other weapons that the Celtics have and the way this team has come together, man, it, it, this is the product right here. This is this is exactly what I think Brad Stevens had in mind in terms of putting that defensive first mindset to everyone having two budding all-stars superstars that could that could score 20 plus on any given night but making sure that the backbone of this team the identity of this team is defense and that's exactly what happened you saying that and talking about the identity of the team made me think of something that i i hadn't put on my rundown to ask you but you know well, do we give don't say that, call them a young warriors because i feel like no, 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 no. We're not NBA doing that. Finals media day. I feel like the Warriors are sort of being like, oh, yeah, that team's cute. They're cute. They're coming up. <laughs> they, they remind me of myself. It was, it was almost insulting. Dex. I'm like, uh, I, I know that when somebody's good, it's, it's almost like a little bit of a backhanded compliment, right? Yes. In, in that kind of way. It had that vibe to it. it that did. vibe to it. But I wanted yeah. to ask you this because you talked about the identity of the team. And I think when you look at this team and you're like, look, hey, a lot of this team are the guys that Danny Ainge drafted. Here, yeah. right? Danny Ainge got criticized a lot for not making a move, not making a trade, not going off to Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, blah, blah, blah. Right. But these are these his guys he's drafted. Does he get any of this credit now, too? Or or, or should we not go that far? That's interesting, because that's been a big conversation around Boston sports talk, you know, right now. Obviously, everyone was hyped up that the NBA, you know, the Celtics are back in the NBA finals. But they're like, well, wait a minute. Do we give this to Ime? Do we give this to Brad? Do we give this to, mm-hmm. to, to, to Danny? And that's so Boston, right? Like, like who gets the most props? You know what I mean? Like, who's, right. who's the one that we should think the most? And I, I still, I'm, I'm in the camp of, it comes down to Danny. He, he put together the groundwork. He hired Brad Stevens. And it was sort of a domino effect from the very start. But, look, people can say what they want about the last couple of years of him drafting late in the first, you know, a couple of misses there, um, middle rounds and stuff. But when it, when it mattered the most, he nailed it. No one can deny that. No one can deny, you know, him not drafting Markel Fultz when everyone thought he would and going with Jason Tatum. And not only doing that, but getting another future first out of the deal and pretty much just, it was a heist, right? That trade to set, like, can you imagine where Philadelphia would be if they, if they uh, picked the right guy? You know, like, it's, it's easy to go back and say that over time and time again. But at the end of the day, what Danny did was the groundwork, right? And I think that, when Jalen Brown was drafted, people like to, in Boston at least, they like to uh, talk about the fact that, oh, he was booed and fans didn't even, you know, give him a chance. I'm like, yeah, but those boos weren't about Jalen. They weren't personal. They were about 
why don't you trade this pick and get get yourself a superstar? But Danny was patient, and Danny, you know, he took the he took the heat. He took the heat those first three seasons, you know, before before Isaiah popped, before the Kyrie Irving years, before you know Kemba Walker was traded, you know, like all those leading up to that, he put down the groundwork, and and it blossoms, you know, three, four, five years later, and but that's the thing. That's the irony of it too, right? Is what you're saying in the fact of that. You know, the boos that you heard for Jalen Brown, that was for, hey, we go get us a star. And then he didn't go get him a star. And now you're winning with the actual guys, Boston fans, that he drafted. So it's it's almost ironic in that way that they were right. booing for the star. The st- there were some stars that came where Hayward, Kyrie, like you mentioned, didn't win with those guys or get to this stage with those guys. And now without those guys, he was this young core. It. And sometimes it shows you why sticking the course sometimes matters with your development. Sometimes that absolutely. matters. Absolutely. And also when you stick with your vision and you don't let anyone yep. intimidate you or let anyone, you know, lead to you second guessing what you what your original plan was. And that's Danny. Danny has a plan. He's going to stick with it. You know, yep. people used to love to say, oh, well, Danny has to fleece the team in order to make a trade. I'm like, well, that's the way he operates. <laughs> like if he doesn't see uh, right. a, a flat out win in the, in the deal, he ain't, then he, he ain't doing it. He's not right. doing it. And, and, and listen, when the when when it came down to breaking up the 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 Celtics big three, KG and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, you know, well Ray already left, but you know KG and Paul Pierce and all that, that wasn't easy. You know, most GMs would have had a hard time doing that, or maybe they would have did it when it was too late. But that was the 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 blueprint of this rebuild. That's what led those those picks that 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 the Brooklyn Nets sent over turned into Jason Tatum, it turned into Jalen Brown, and and that was essentially the very beginning to, to what we're seeing right now. No, yeah, you're 100% right about that. Um, speaking of Tatum, uh, are you concerned after how he shot the ball in game one? Because I think there's I think there's one way to be like, yeah, that's concerned. I personally am not that concerned because I like the other stuff that he was doing. He had 12 assists right. in this game. And I think his playmaking is, we talked about this when you were on the, the A Hartel podcast, but his playmaking has been really dope. Um, I think particularly in the last two series. And I've been really, really impressed with him on that. And I think it's a lot of growth in that. But are you concerned at all about the way he shot in game one? Yeah, I don't Desi, can you hear I, I lost you, man. Can you hear oh, me? You lost me for a second. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. You can you hear me? I mean, I'm gonna answer your question, but I lost you towards the end of that. But um, yeah, listen, Tatum's play like that was a part of his, his game that he needed to to add, right? Um and I always talk about I always think of um someone like LeBron. I mean, like, look, not to compare the two, but like in my opinion, when LeBron became LeBron, when he was the guy in Miami and was was uh, you know the best player in the NBA. It was because he 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 started to put his effort toward playing defense and team defense and holding people accountable. He started to put his effort towards playmaking and finding guys and making sure that he was you know getting everyone involved. You know, and that's exactly what I, I saw out of Tatum this year. I, I feel like Tatum was he knew that he was at a step of his career where he needed to blossom into being more on the defensive end and also holding guys accountable and you know being a leader. I thought it was really telling when he talked about. Um, you know, after winning the uh, Eastern Conference MVP, Eastern Conference, the MVP award for the Eastern Conference finals. And he was like, man, there were some moments where I was like, can I do this? You know, can I be a leader or am I mm-hmm. doing this the right way? And I feel like that was um, really open for him to say. But also it shows how he had to really uh, put forth that effort and let things happen gradually. And, and that's what I think happened, essentially, especially in the second half of the regular season where he was trying to find his way. And he finally got out of his oh, I need to go off in order for this team to win. Like, No, like, obviously, this is a clear testament of that, right? On the biggest stage, 
that you know Tatum didn't have to score 25 26 points you know he didn't have to go off in that fourth quarter to save the day but he found his guys he buckled down defensively and he did other things that impacted the game and that's what a superstar does you know that's what's going to separate you know the the uh the perennial all-stars from the guys who are you know top five arguably top five or or, or no question top 10 in the nba and that, that's jason tatum right now for sure yeah no no doubt about that for sure he's he's absolutely on another level right right now for that for sure so uh oh wait can you hear me he's he's coming out he'll be back on on here in a second uh completely agree that tatum has taken his game to another level and host is back with us right now so i know you I couldn't hear me exactly. a second. Glad i don't know what now. happened your audio cut off but yeah i got you now you got me now. We're good. Um, so here's the thing you're also going to hear, Josue, and you know this from covering it. People are going to say, don't overreact to game one. You've heard that a million times. So do you think this is real, what we saw from the Celtics in this game one, particularly in the fourth quarter, or was it an anomaly? Oh, it's real. I think. Well, again, uh, do they <laughs> score 20, 20, 21 three-pointers again? Maybe right. not. Close to that. Maybe close to that, but... Um, I think that's the part that stands out the most, but also Golden State's going to make adjustments. And I think that the one on the top of the list is unlocking Clay Thompson. I think uh, Steve Kerr is going to do a really good job at that. And, um, you know, I, I think if we're doing predictions here, I think the series is tied heading back to Boston. But that's okay for the Celtics, you know. Um, you, you put up a good fight. Uh, I'm not going to say they have no chance, obviously, in game two, but I think the, the adjustments for the Warriors start with Clay Thompson. You know, um, and it doesn't have to be you know, double screens to, to get him his open shot. Like, Clay Thompson can, can attack. He defends at a high level as well. Obviously, he's not 100%, but I think unlocking him is, is going to be key. Um, guys like Looney were, were, were huge, was a big thorn in the Celtics' side. You know, offensive rebounds, second chance opportunities. Rob is still questionable heading into game two, so that could be a big factor heading in. You know, um, the other guys as well, the depth, Jordan Poole. Um, I thought Andre Iguodala gave him a good energy. I wasn't surprised that he was back out there. It's the NBA Finals. They need someone like that. They need you know, a wing defender just to add more pressure to guys like Tatum and Brown. But, yeah, I don't think what we saw from Boston is it was, 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 was shocking. Look, that fourth quarter alone, I, I, I just – the 17-0 run, I think, is more telling of the Golden State Warriors just, just not buckling down defensively, honestly. Mm. And, and also, you know, um, guys like, like, like Derek White – and, and, and Al Horford just just being, you know, whether it was making threes or, or attacking the rim the way Derek White was, it, it was just it made it made things tougher for the for the Warriors. I don't think they were prepared for that. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. So, what do you feel like is the focus in Game Two for the Celtics, right? Because there's one way of looking at this is saying that hey, we came out to San Francisco, we got what we needed to get done, we took one on the road, or they locked focus saying hey, look, we can go back home up to nothing. What do you think the mindset is is going to be? Are they just playing with house money? They're focused on taking it all when they went out to the bay. I think they're focused on taking it all. I think that's the mindset you have to have because if you don't, the Warriors will come back in a hard way and you'll, you won't be able to come back. Like That's the thing. The Celtics, mm-hmm. I always give them credit because they have the ability to survive these 8-0, 9-0 runs. And, you know, going into halftime, they somehow have a, a two, three-point lead. Like that. That's something that they've done before. But coming out of halftime, sometimes it's hard to tell what team is going to show up. Like, they've done that before, what we saw in that third quarter. And obviously, they survived it in game one, but maybe that doesn't happen again. You know, they have to make sure that they don't put up a dud like that in that third quarter because that's not always going to be the case. A win's not always going to be the case, you know, especially when your top dog doesn't didn't have it offensively. Does Tatum bounce back? I think he does, you know. But again, is that three-point shot going to be there? Probably not, you know. 
scoring 21 three-pointers is not an easy thing to do in, you know, in the NBA finals, and especially the way they were able to put together that humongous run, 40 points in that fourth quarter. You know, that's going to be, you know, the Warriors are going to do their absolute best to make sure that doesn't happen again. So the Celtics have to, um, that well-balanced attack, the way they're used to, you know, the way they're used to swinging the ball, everyone getting their touches, you know, uh, finding the open guy. I think they're going to try to get back to that and unlocking Tatum in a sense of making sure that he's having that well-balanced attack, getting to the free throw line and, and getting hot, you know, from the perimeter. I, I, I think Tatum comes back in, in, in a big way in game two. Yeah, I mean, they're going to – I like that you're saying they're going to have that focus in game two. I think it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, it's a big game two for the Warriors. It's a, They're looking at it like a must win, and they're going to try to get that. So it's going to be good. What was your prediction? Before I let you go, what was your prediction um, heading into the series? Believe it or not, Dex, I had something in six. And the reason for okay. that is because – Yeah, look, the reason for that is because I don't – I don't know if they can survive a game seven against the Warriors, you know? Mm. I think it'll be tough. I think it'll be down to the wire. And those situations don't bode well to Celtics, you know? And this is a this is a something this is part of their identity that, you know, extends back to the regular season. You know, the last couple of weeks or the last couple of months essentially, they were blowing out team. But if it's like a two point game, you know, wire to wire, you know, if it's one of those games where the the two minute mark and they're down by one or two or they're up by one or two and they're trying to just cling on. They tend to lose those games, honestly. You know, they they have a less than 500 record in those in those situations. And you look at Game Seven as one of a, a great example of that. Sure, they won, they survived mm-hmm. it, but Miami pulling to within two that wasn't ideal. You know, Jimmy Butler, if he makes that three, the Celtics don't survive that game. They don't. They wouldn't be here. And and um, you know, that's neither here or there in terms of Jimmy Butler. Look, I I, I commend, I respect it. I don't think that that was a a bad shot for him. I, I liked it, honestly. Yeah, I didn't think so either. You got you to gotta go for the dagger sometimes. They didn't want to go into OT against the Celtics. But, you know, um, again, that's just a, that, that's a that's who they are, honestly. They can really um, – those turnovers, they can start fumbling the ball in those last couple of minutes, even if they have a you know, seven, eight-point lead. And um, I, if you're the Warriors, you, you have to stay with them. You have to stay neck and neck down the stretch and um, know that you have a good chance of knocking them out or at least beating them you know, if, if that's the situation in the last couple of minutes of the game. All right, Josue picked the Warriors in six. They need three more. Oh, no, uh, I said Celtics in six, man. Oh, you sorry, you said Celtics in six. I picked the Warriors in six. That was me. Um, I was going to feel so okay. good after last night. I picked the Warriors in six. But listen, man, Celtics. That's a garden, look- huh? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Celtics looking good, though, um, after the game one win. So it's been a, a good one. That is Josue Pavon. Please check him out. CLNS Media. He Absolutely. is out in the bay. He's going to be covering the whole finals. Josue, we're yeah. going to have you back on later in the series uh, for sure. Probably it. when things get back to Boston. Um, we'll have you back there for sure. I always appreciate you uh, coming on and, and, and talking to us and all the good stuff. So everybody, please follow his work. Check him out, what he's doing. We got a couple days off till yeah. we uh, Sunday. You know, Josue will be next. back to work. And Monday, Man. it's going to be interesting. Will the series be tied at one? Will it be a 2 old Celtics lead? We'll find all that out. We'll be back on Monday with you guys uh, to talk some more about the NBA Finals. He's Josue Pavon. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Thanks, guys.